Hello and welcome to The Pilgrim's Digress. We are The Pilgrim's Digressing. I am Zachary Bartles, and with me as always, my sage guide through these murky waters, and my help to pull me from the, the slough of despond, and perhaps my ignorance to try to lead me astray from time to time. I'm trying to keep you humble. It's a high price. I, I don't want to be a flatterer. Yeah. It's Mr. Sagacity. Here he is. Uh, and we're going to be digressing on chapter 21, which I believe we call Discourse and Discipline. Uh, there's a lot of Ds from the very beginning, from despond, destruction. Um, and I thought at one point I could have kept that alliteration going the whole time. Yeah. And then I just didn't. But we came back to it now. We're doubling down on that alliteration. See what I did there with the actual alliteration being present in the description? The description? Okay. So we're going to start here with uh, a couple of sad pilgrims stuck Mm. in a net. Yeah. And uh, this is not where you want to be. And they got there by being stupid. Yeah. You know, they were, these folks were uh, following somebody because he wore a shiny coat. Yeah. And never occurred to them, maybe the shiny coat is a misdirect. He had kind of the right voice and the right authority and the right vibe, and he made it sound urgent. You need to right. follow me. And they were at a point of indecision. What are you going to do? Follow him. What's the worst that can happen? Yeah. Well, as we should have learned by now, the worst that can happen is pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. pretty bad. Getting snared <laughs> you know? in a net. Yeah. Um, and now they're just waiting for their own destruction. <laughs> Which, again, not where you want to be. So um, they're kind of chastising themselves and each other for a little while, as we tend to do. This seems to be, for me, a weakness where I can do the dumb thing, see the consequences coming, and get down on myself really hard without real repentance. Mm. You know, just kind of like, oh, I'm an idiot. Without any actual confession. Yeah. I mean, to say the same as is confession, right? To agree with God that I've sinned, but I'm not talking to God. Mm. I'm like really just so mad at me. Um, And that's so fruitless. It's so stupid, but we all do it. They do it for a little while. Obviously, this is the flatterer. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I, I added this. Like the, wait a minute, you think this guy's the flatter? Yeah. <laughs> because they're so just confused by by the presence. And and um, I was kicking myself earlier because I changed pick thanks name to flatterer. Because mm-hmm. who knows what pick thank means? And then I'm like, oh, crud, that's a guy later is flatterer. And then I realized, no, I can use that. Like I was looking for somebody more blatant about it. Yeah. Like that that toady mm-hmm. back in, in uh, Vanity Fair. This guy is a lot more crafty about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, destructive. He guises himself in the sort of the, not not a, a coat that shines with its own light, but one that reflects the sun, mm. therefore looks a little shining one-ish. Uh, they decide to go ahead and just confess their sins and fall asleep. That's that's our, our opening here. What are some of the texts that are provided? I mean, there's the one that they quote that they say they realize if we had taken a second to open the Bible, we would have found, and that is Proverbs... 29.5. Proverbs 29.5 says, a man who flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet. Right. And of course, um, just trying to up the action a little bit instead mm-hmm. of having him lead them onto a net where they just kind of get oh, I'm all caught. kind of, yeah, yeah, we're caught. I had him, I think this was your idea. I had him throw like a, the gladiator type, yeah. the, the weapon uh, that is a net, mm-hmm. which they used. The weighted, yeah. Yeah, weighted yeah which net. would just knock you to the ground and now you're... You're done. 
Yeah. Uh, and he can cinch it all up nice and, and kind of pull you up uh, on a fulcrum and hang you yeah. there. Yeah. Um, so that that was a little little different, but the concept's the same, right? Mm-hmm. He he walked them with flattery. Flattery is a, a increasingly dangerous tool. Do you think you and I were talking about a, a scenario in which people solicit flattery mm. recently? Mm-hmm. I think it's become a pretty big currency in our our culture, and rather than something sinful and destructive, it seems like something virtuous. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the, the currency of attention has always been, right. It's the reason you want to be wealthy. You want to be wealthy because people have to pay attention to you. Mm. You have the most boats. If you have the nicest car, you have the biggest house. People have to pay attention to you and flattery. Right. Well, you better better get grinding some. (laughs) Well, Uh, what is like 30,000 likes on, mm -hmm. on my Instagram photo or something? That's flattery, right? That's saying- um, I, I heard this long ago, and I think it's oversimplification when I when I think about flattery in, in our world today, that gossip is saying behind someone's back what you would never say to their face, and flattery is saying to someone's face what you would never say behind their back. Sure. But I think the way the world is now kind of erases some of those distinctions. Mm. You're speaking behind people's backs to their face or kind of simultaneously both a lot of the time when you're interacting well, it, 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 right, it it stinks of a person who's just being false, mm-hmm. right, all the time, just being false. And that, to me, is flattery, right? All I'm trying to do is obtain something for myself, right? And I'm going to say whatever I need to say, however I need to praise you, however I need to worship you, to get you to like me and to to, to publish me or to put me in this advantageous position here or to do this or do that or put me in some position of power. I'll just, I'll say whatever I need to say. And it's just dishonest. You're just being a dishonest person. You're already mm-hmm. sinning because you're lying. You know, it's not about being nice. You could be nice about people and to people. That's not flattery. Yeah. It's, it's the kind of conniving, deceiving side of um, the just being nice that, um, is so destructive. Uh, Romans 16, 17 through 18 says, um, I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrines that you have been taught. Avoid them. For such persons do not serve the Lord Jesus Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. So, you know, you know, right off the bat, they're just trying to deceive and pull away and, you know, separate uh, people in the church, you know, flatterer was only there to destroy. He was his only objective is to destroy, and I think oftentimes that's what people who practice flattery are out to do. Mm. They're just there to obtain something for themselves, and you can see how dangerous that is in the church. Whereas a church, we're not about ourselves; we're about making much of Christ. And if you have one person who has a you know a silver tongue, a honeyed tongue who's able to enter into these discussions and these relationships and just convince people that their way is best or the objective is to pull the attention away from Christ and to pull the attention to themselves. Look at my right way. Look at my right way of doing things. Look at my oratory skills. Pay attention to me. Build the church around me because I'm your only hope. And and it's nothing new yeah. to use flattery to... To lead people off the narrow way, mm-hmm. but it's kind of the deception du jour 
Mm. It's it's really experiencing a moment. Right. I mean, when you look at the off ramp that most kind of false spiritualities and false gospels are mm. taking right now, they're the off ramp of flattery. They're saying, "Hold on, you really believe God thinks you're not." beautiful and perfect the way you are. And if there's something you know, at your core that you need to deny and you need to repent of yeah, your very identity and your very self, I mean, that doesn't sound like a very kind God. He would probably be, uh, th- this God would be expelled from your, your local university for, for hate speech. Well, it's the God of ignorance, yes. right? His, yes. his first argument that he lays out that, you know, obviously we'll get into is, well, I don't have a sinful heart. I don't have a wicked heart and I won't be convinced even you, you can quote as much scripture yeah. as you want. There's nothing you Don't can say it. that will ever make me think I have such a wicked heart. Flatter is already in his heart. Mm-hmm. You're great. You're wonderful. Come just as you are and stay just as you are. Right. Right. The world takes all kinds. And who's to really say that we're interpreting these texts correctly anyways? And, you know. They've been translated so many times. Right. We even trust it. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, we can yeah, trust yeah. The, the parts that we like. We that like. seem to affirm us. But mm-hmm. Yeah. So the text you just read, you know, says by smooth talk and flattery. That's mm-hmm. that is kind of never gone out of style in this whole time. In these these millennia that have passed, that still continues to be the way you can get somebody most effectively. Like if we wanted to put a spectrum there, people on the very legalistic side that are going to lead people away from grace and away from the true gospel to more of a Galatian heresy kind of situation, mm-hmm. they're going to use harsh talk. And like breaking your will, sure. right? They're going to be pounding, pounding, pounding with their words. Whereas on the other side, the libertine side, the kind of Nicolaitan error, it's going to be smooth talk and flattery. At the end of the day, the ironic thing is it's all law. It's just two different ways to get you off the narrow way and trusting in yourself. Paul in First uh, Thessalonians 2.5, he's talking about how they're fleeing this persecution from uh, Philippi. And he says... For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with pretext for greed. God is witness. He's, our ministry is different. We're not coming mm-hmm. to just, yeah. you know, blow smoke anywhere, right? We are to just give you the truth of the gospel. That is, man is fallen. All men are fallen. You can see my previous, you know, previously published works where I argue for this. And there's only one hope for that, and that's the man, Jesus Christ. We must flee to him. We must flee to his cross, Hold to it securely until the end. Only those who hold on to the end will be saved. Uh, that's it. That's my that's my only message for you. I'm not going to tell you you're great. I'm not going to tell you worse than you are. I'm going to tell you just the truth of the scriptures. And I'll and, give you words like, um, yeah, this is tough, but we can do all of it through yeah. Christ who strengthens us. Exactly. Um, it's him, though, not mm-hmm. you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and when you say uh, he's not here to blow smoke, that fits nicely with... Mm. Uh, the image we have of Apollyon kind of ejecting these intermittent, uh, I don't know what to what end, but I thought it was a creepy image when I first yeah. wrote it. <laughs> Black yeah. smoke into the air. Yeah. And, and, uh, and it might be a little bit of a Peretti callback too, because mm. uh, demons are often, and, and of course, this goes back to the very beginning of uh, oral traditions about right. unseen monsters Lost. and things creeping in the night that like, yeah, s- Black smoke is... Did you say lost? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for the first like half of that show, it's just the black smoke monster or whatever they called it. Right. It's just oh, the, buddy, I hadn't yeah, even the thought beginning about that. of the oratory, you know, it's just lost. It's lost. It's passed down. You know, and, and from that, generations. Well, well I mean, it still generations. doesn't make sense. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's probably a, a class somewhere, the 
at, at, a, interpreting at a liberal lost. arts university. Yeah. The, yeah, interpreting lost as <laughs> a, a, indicative of all oral tradition. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they replace oh, Gilgamesh with, with lost. <laughs> and of course, this is in stark contrast to the super apostles mm-hmm. who, who he's always you know, kind of putting them up as a relief to himself. Like they, I'm, right. they, they want to point at me and say, look, he's nothing like us. And I'm like, exactly. Thank yeah. you for doing my work and pointing that out for me because their whole thing was smooth talk. Yep. And you know, flattery is going to enter into that. It mm-hmm. just has to, uh, even though often, you know, really smooth talk will have a undercurrent of I'm better than you. Sure. Uh, there's always, I think in, embedded in it when you're trying to monetize or leverage it, this invitation of come be better with me, mm. you know, come, come be better than all these people. And that's made its way into the church. It's the heart of the false gospel, right? Mm-hmm. And in its narrative, again, the, the, the removal of sin, the removal of any kind of need of justification of, you know, between us and God at all is, yeah, absolutely just flattery. You hear it all the time from false teachers. You're going to be fine. You know, you're, you're Osteen on Oprah, right? Is this a sin? I don't think so. Define okay. sin. Okay. Define is. Well, at this point, yeah, we can raise our Bibles and we can say that we believe them and we are what they say are all we want, but you just denied it. So <laughs> it, it doesn't matter. You, did you use that guy's name? Oh my gosh, we're getting very cutting okay, edge. Okay, you don't yeah. have to. No, but, I'll leave it in. But it has its corner and flatter because, because you also will draw you know, more flies with honey yeah. than with vinegar. Mm-hmm. And although the message of the gospel is not vinegar it is sweet because it gives you an answer to the problem but it but it also but it is a hard pill to swallow yes at first. and it hurts yeah. and, and jagged little pill if you will people leave jesus after watching right all of his work they leave him this is a hard teaching yeah who can i was know, in on eating free this. bread and fish i'm yeah. not in on eating your flesh and drinking your blood thanks yeah. very much not gonna happen so i'll see you later right no flattery there though just the truth he I'm doesn't to... say, hold on, come back. No, you're misunderstanding yeah. me. No, it's like he turns to the disciples and he says, they're leaving if you want to go with them. Yeah. Now is the time. Right, Jude 3, 2 Peter 2, right? These are all these are all examples of this idea of this false apostle, this false teacher who wins people over by the tickling of the ear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you exactly what you want to hear in 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 a very eloquent beautiful you know beautifully worded way that you're going to flock to my religion which i'm marching you right to hell mm-hmm. um and 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 yeah that's 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 certainly true right that's the the path to hell is full of flatterers mm-hmm. you know you know uh, because because the the hard message is you have to die you have to change you have to crucify that flesh right daily you have to pick up the cross it's gonna it's gonna be hard and you're gonna want for you know stuff that you previously wanted for you're gonna want for sin you're gonna want for these things but you gotta reject them you gotta push them down so these guys wind up in the net and they are not happy they're there but they're stuck um they're annoying each other a bit your foot's in my face we're crammed together you can't really whisper (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. You ever, did you ever know that kid growing Shadows up of, that didn't have the ability to whisper? Like, he'd be like, yeah. hey, man, tell me what. And they'd be like, ugh, ugh, ugh. and you're like, yeah. okay, I didn't know I was dealing with that. But, like, <laughs> wh- they can't get out. What do you think is the the antecedent of this in, in the non-allegorical you know, spiritual journey of I followed the flatterer. I recognized him as a flatterer, 
but I can't just go back. I need aid. I need rescue. I'm stuck now. Hmm. I don't know if you've followed that flatterer so far off the path where you, you've, you've built institutions kind of inside of yourself or around yourself that you are great mm. and you are wonderful and you are the center of people's attention or whatever. And then waking up to that and realizing, uh, you know, one of your books, right? Parker Saint. That's very much Parker Saint's position. Oh, we're promoting my book. Sounds yeah. good. Buy them. Although at this point, there's no chance, unless you buy the audio book, that I'll get any money from it. Right. His position in the very beginning of the first book, right, is this kind of health, wealth, prosperity. Mm -hmm. Slowly moved yeah. into that too, right? Yep. And that can happen. Mm -hmm. The more I say certain things, the more people come and like it. And you have to, in some way, shape or form, right, experience something that chastises you to kind of tear down those institutions that you built which is a hard game. You can realize, I mean, what, having halfway through that book or whatever, he's he's dealing with the fact that uh, he's he knows this isn't really right and, and so on and so forth, but I mean, it's- You gotta justify it. Yeah. Because this is the reality. This is what it is and it's, it employs people and this, this, and this, that, right? It's, it's a hard, it, it, it could be hard to pull ourselves from, but that's yeah. the gospel. That's sacrifice. It calls to mind that- uh, that time in, in the mid nineties when that worldwide church of God, the, the Armstrong cult hmm. kind of all at once, not all at once slowly, but all at once made the, the move of embracing the gospel and, hmm. and repenting of these false, weird teachings that were very much uh, legalistic and, and very much not uh, historic Christianity. Hmm. And I, I know it was a painful thing. A lot of people, uh, turned on each other. A lot of people left the movement. A lot of people made accusations against each other. Mm. It's one thing to picture it as just walking down a different road mm. and then going, oops, I wasted a lot of time and I have to double back. Like yeah. happened when he forgot, when he, when he lost his scroll. Sure. But in reality, yeah, like you said, you're building things, you know, you're enmeshing yourself with other people. With people. You're, you know, you're, you're having to extricate carefully mm -hmm. aspects of yourself from here and here. And in many ways, your life and your community and your circle of friends and family even are all wrapped up in, in how you've lived and what you've believed. Yeah. That net is probably an understatement, yeah. you know, it's that one cut and that's done and they can mm -hmm. leave. I mean, this would probably be extracting yourself slowly. This yeah. would be like when someone has like three fish hooks in their face and you're like, yeah. okay, we gotta be careful about how we remove this. Right. Uh, yeah. So the, the so much easier just not to. It's, yeah. This reminds me an awful lot of it is that, that line when they were trying to get back after going over the style. Mm -hmm. It is so much easier to leave the road when you are on it than to yes. return to the road when you've left it. Yes. Uh, yeah. And it, every time we fall into sin, I find the same thing. I'm like, yes. why was it so easy to start thinking along these terms and, and releasing rage chemicals mm. or or giving in to you know a, a moment of private lust or or, you know, gossip or whatever yep. it is. It's so easy. It mm -hmm. takes no effort. It's like getting fat. When I get fat, it takes no effort. Yeah. And then when you go, oh, I want to walk this back, that's hard. Yeah. It's hard work. If you Puffs had to you avoid up. it to begin with, mm -hmm. then you could just keep on moving in the right direction toward mm -hmm. toward the, the celestial city. And the ointment for that, right, is godly correction. So they're rescued again, of course. Yes. And this is the first time it's not just like, oh, thanks for rescuing me. Yeah, don't do it again. Yeah. Uh, they're a little more mature and the love's coming a little tougher. Mm. 
it's you and I had talked um, about possibly adding kind of a subplot of uh, hopeful having been um, having had a really bad relationship with his father hmm. and and like not really having this grounding that scripture talks about. I think it's in Hebrews. Um, yeah. We have all had earthly fathers who discipline us. Why wouldn't our heavenly father in his love discipline us mm-hmm. and and hopeful struggling with this, having been rebuked, you know, having to take some in the allegory, it's corporal punishment. You know, yeah. they're whipped. They're whipped. Um, yeah. And I, ultimately, I couldn't figure out how to do it and not have it seem like I was leaving the genre and going into something else. But it is a strange thing. It takes you out of the takes you out of the allegory a minute. Or the first time you read this, I think that he's like in in Bunyan's telling. He says he has them lay down, mm. and then he like beats them raw. He's just like you 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 need to be taught. You're you're too mature to be following random guys off the road. This will be uh, my my wrestling coach used to call these kind of thing a memory booster. <laughs> you okay? Go ahead and put your heels against that wall. Now stoop down with your back and head against the wall. Hold that. Yeah. You hold that for five minutes. I'll come back and tell you when you can stop holding it. Then you won't leave your headgear on the mat again yeah. tomorrow. And right. uh, you you go okay. Uh, this seems kind of cruel in the moment, and I hate you for it, coach. Hmm. But guess what? Tomorrow I'm not leaving that headgear. Right. <laughs> it's it's rebuke, it's discipline, but it is not punishment. Mm. Punishment has the end of I'm gonna restore justice. Justice has already been met out on Christ. Yep. This is discipline to build you and teach you. Mm. And they get it. Yeah. They do. Well, I did I think it's I think I think it's important as Christians that we're experiencing that. You know, we're we're getting that, we're getting that um that feeling. Uh, not not necessarily often, but that it's happened to us. That you know we feel the we feel the rebuke come down, and we're stricken to the heart with sorrow for our sins, genuine sorrow for our sins, and our leaving of the path. And um, because you know, um, it that's the proof. That's the proof that we are children of God. Right? Is that if He acts as a father acts towards us, and not as someone seeing a kid misbehaving at a zoo. <laughs> you know, you look at him, you go, okay, well, you know, that's not my kid. Right. Goodbye. Yeah. He'll learn yeah. if he goes down in, into the gorilla pit, that, that'll Which be Which will happen. Yeah. Yeah, right. You know, yeah, it, but I'm not going to correct them. My they're wife going would. to, they're going to, right, well. <laughs> she yells at other people's kids all the time. Aaron's a special woman. <laughs> I like that. But yeah, um, yeah so the, God's love hmm. would be conspicuously absent. Yeah. Absent any correction or, or discipline. Well, it is. We see it with the Gentile nations all of the time in the mm-hmm. Old Testament, right? Um, uh, God allows the fullness of the sins of the Canaanites to come about. He doesn't step in and correct right. them and say that, I am so appalled at your sin, which he is, and I hate your sin, which he does, and now I'm going to strike you down. He goes, nope. You just, you live your lives, not you live your lives, yeah. you know, until correction comes and it's going to be terrible. Of course, there are times, uh, and he does do this with sure. correct Gentiles, for mm-hmm. example, through Jonah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there, that's the difference, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the the conquest is God's vengeance yeah. upon sinners who are beyond hope. They're they're nationally in the iron cage mm. and and love it there. Yeah. Uh, and then discipline is for his people or those who he loves or those whom he is calling to himself. Yeah. And. It, the fact that the kind of flatterer off ramp into these false gospels 
often starts with um, pointing at the idea of discipline and saying mm-hmm. a loving God wouldn't do that. Sure. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, yes, he would. A loving God would only do that in yes. this situation. Yeah. Because he loves us. A loving father, right? To point at the idea, you know, you're sharing fatherhood as we do, right? You know, the very idea that we would never be harsh with our children over necessary things, mm-hmm. running into the street, talking to strangers or something like that. If you see it in action, the moment of harshness that comes out of you, no, no, correction, because you could get hurt. Right. You could, yeah. you, you could I love you seriously and I don't hurt. lose you. <laughs> so, you know, the moment that, you know, the tone that I communicate, you know, or maybe, or maybe I grab your arm and I pull you away from danger yeah, and it, and it tugs on something. your arm or something mm. like that. And it hurt. Yeah. I'm communicating my love for you in this moment. And this was the way to communicate the seriousness of what we're dealing with here, um, which is which is the other important part, right? They need to take seriously staying on the path. Yeah, yeah. They've gotten a little lax about it. They're constantly- Get a little wandering bug on them yeah. and they want to explore in all different directions. Oh, maybe this is okay. Maybe this but is okay. But they're pilgrims. Yeah. Pilgrims go to a destination. Yes. And we started this whole thing with the, where there's a saying in the city of destruction, it's not about the destination, it's mm. all about the journey. Sure. And that's pretty popular in, in our world yeah. today. It endures. And a Christian can't think that way. Mm-hmm. I mean, the journey obviously is important yeah. because it is the journey to the destination and we're honoring the king who is at the destination via the journey itself. Yeah. And we don't want to be like, you know, too heavenly minded to be of any earthly good. <laughs> But obviously, the destination is all important. Mm-hmm. And the, these kind of side trips have become all too common mm. in, in near the end here. And I think this is, this is one of the last times we're going to really see them do something foolish. And it wasn't out of willfulness. Right. It wasn't out of rebellion. Mm-hmm. It was just out of not being alert. Yeah. Yeah, well, it, it, I think that. I think that some of my... Some of my my own experiences, some of the times I feel that I've been most harshly corrected by God have been out of sins of ignorance. Mm. I didn't know that I was doing them. And then something enlightens you to the fact that you are doing them and you feel heartbroken over them because you've been doing it for such a long time and it's it's ingrained in your life, you know, um, and, and it's going to take effort to remove it from your life. Mm-hmm. You know, that um, it it feels more serious than the initial, right, severance or the initial putting to death of the large fleshier bits, you know, that I had left over. You know, putting away pornography wasn't really that big of an issue. You knew it was an issue. You knew it was a problem. Mm-hmm. You knew what you, you knew what yeah. it was when you came in. Following Jesus means cutting that out of Cutting it life. off yeah. right away. And I know that right off the bat. So I'm ready to make war against this. Absolutely. It's those, it's those like hangers on that are with you 10 years later. Mm-hmm. And then now you're getting convicted. And you're saying, why, why wasn't I convicted of this 10 years ago? Let's get them all out on the table now. Let's lay my imperfections out so I can work on them all maybe, you know, but that's not how he works. Yeah. Often. Yeah. Uh, and thank God, because I wouldn't have lasted that if you had all of your sins, all of your problems, all of your struggles just laid bare. Well, and we wouldn't do that as dads. We wouldn't say, right. okay, you know, this Saturday, I'm going to block off to sit my kid down yeah. and just tell him everything How that I hate about you him. Are. Yeah. <laughs> right? no, yeah. no, 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 you don't yeah. do that. Yeah. You, you do it lovingly. You do it patiently. And What's that's most how our... problematic 
I'll deal with that first. Yeah. You know, you have an infatuation with roads. <laughs> Don't like that. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, I remember I'll at one time that. grabbing my kid when he tried to run. I don't even know where he was trying to go. We were by the, a, a, a I almost just said the name of the restaurant. No one cares. Uh, we were in Frandor by a yeah. restaurant and he just started running and a car was coming mm. and I grabbed him up real roughly, not even th- just thinking like save yeah. my kid's life. Yeah. And he started crying and I felt terrible. Mm. And even when I remembered, you know, this was justified. This yeah. is, this is the only good thing I could have done in that moment other than be like a guy who keeps his kid on a leash. Um, <laughs> Like good, it still yeah. didn't. Yeah, right. yeah, it still didn't feel very right. You know, it's, it, there was something awful about it, and you got to remember, um, the responsibility is not to be loved uh, fully now. Mm. The responsibility is to show love by building this person into a godly man, mm. and and in order to do that, you got to keep them alive. Yeah, um, if as, as far as it's up to you uh, to keep part. them safe and keep them. Uh, so I think. All of that is God given, mm. which means this is how God is thinking. Yeah, it's a it's about the long game. It's about making us, with every step down that road, more like Jesus. Mm. Uh, I think it's interesting that the verse in question, "Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline, so be earnest and repent," is Revelation three nineteen, mm. comes right before Revelation three twenty which is very famous and often taken right out of context. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone will hear me and open the door, I'll come in and eat with him and he with me. And that's often taken to be an invitation to salvation, right? right? Jesus is knocking, poor Jesus. He's outside the door of your heart. Knock, 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 knock all the time. Someone just let this poor, he's so sad. Let Mm. him in. Yeah. Obviously that's not a biblical Getting rained on. Uh, we believe in the yeah. irresistible grace, the unconditional election of people, and that that if Jesus wants to come into your heart, he's coming in with a battering ram, yeah. with a, a blowtorch and a, a sledgehammer. He's, you're not keeping him out. Uh, and he will give you the heart that then will repent and have faith. The The picture there, because it comes after those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline, so be earnest and repent, is, and it's the context, is it's a letter to a church, the church mm-hmm. in Laodicea. He's saying, I'm standing outside the door of a church. Yeah. You people need to let me in. I don't belong stuck outside. I should be in in the heart of it, communing with you. And that I think highlights when we reject discipline from God, we reject communion with God. Yep. We keep him out. That he does allow. Mm. That our sanctification would be arrested and and even sometimes halted for years because we're not willing to take correction. And often that might have to do with a flatterer having told us. God will never do that. If you hear that voice in your head, that's not God. And and this isn't a sin, and this isn't a problem, and this isn't this, and I, I've been assured of this by a dear friend or a pastor or what. It's or been what. revealed to me. Yeah. And, and, and I'm okay, and then eventually you realize it's not. Spirit leads you. It's not. It's one thing that I think was clever. After they're finally released from the the net, given, you know, they're, they're dressed down a little bit. They get, they get a little talking to, and they're told, go back. Hmm. They get back to the fork on the road, and this was my invention, but uh, it's my experience. Hmm. When you get back to the fork on the road, you find it wasn't a fork on the road. Right. It was the road, and it was a road that went off. And hmm. it, it looked in the moment like, oh, I could go either way. Yeah. And when you rush into this and think, well, you know, if it's if it doesn't turn out how I like it, I can always double back. You're, you're not thinking clearly. You need to stop. They've got the map or the notes about the way. Hmm. They've got this warning they've got and from the very beginning they've had the warning stay on the narrow way they've got all this they've got the words of this book 
Yeah. There's so much they could do. Yep. And if they're worried about losing time, well, if you stop and make an informed decision, you lose that much time. If you go down the wrong road and have to double back, you've lost twice the time. Yeah. And if you spend the night in a net, <laughs> why, you've lost a ton of time. In scouting, there was a rule that you read a compass, right, four times. Okay. And you look at your map four times. You don't just go... Interesting. And that's that's at every point, right? Every single time the you know path diverges, you're checking and you're looking and you're saying, you know, am I reading this right? Am I looking at this right? Am I really sure? Am I correct? Because you get walking down one of those trails and you realize how much effort and time, especially if you're in backcountry where you're, you know, you're not hiking in all your food and things like that. You need to meet certain drop boxes for food. Uh-huh. You're going to miss eating. That food's gone. You know, that's, sorry, you get to go three days without eating. I have to make it. I have to make it to right. next destination. It has to happen. So I don't, I don't have time to make a mistake and walk down the wrong path and go 16 miles down the wrong way and then only to end up in a campsite that someone's already at. Where are you going to stay tonight? <laughs> you know, you're going to leave the path, make your own campsite, get lost, right? <laughs> Plenty of people have died. Yeah. Doing stuff like that, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's it's a serious issue to make a mistake at a fork. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, like you said, take the time, double check, take a sip of water, right? And really do the work to make sure that we're going down the correct paths in life. Now, they notice, uh, of course, with some laughter. Look at this. Ignorance is, is yes. just now coming up to this point, and they and they have a good yuck about it, and then realize we're also at this point. We have nothing mm. to be laughing at this guy about. In fact, by not listening to us, he saves himself a bunch of trouble. What an important image this is for every Christian all of the time to stand in mockery of somebody else because they didn't, they haven't made the progress or whatever it is. How dare you? How'd you get here? You got yourself here? No, someone had to come and save you again. And they've had to do it again and again and again and again. It, you didn't get here by yourself. So like it, it, pointing a finger at a guy, mm-hmm. you know, oh, oh, poor ignorance. You know, he doesn't have half the tools of progress we have. And this is the lesson they had just both learned. Yeah. And Christian had just chastised. It was it was granted a little faith to have a little faith. How are you going to then yeah. say, I'd have done better in his shoes? You know, mm-hmm. like this is the flesh taking yeah. the wheel and it happens easily. Uh, and I think that when, when there are cultural forces that are at work, but culture is, you know, made up of people, it's very hard sometimes to maintain I hate the axiom of love the sinner, hate the sin. Mm. That's been ceded, I think, to people who just hate everybody, right? That's an excuse mm-hmm. to, to be a jerk. So you got to throw that out, I think. And you've got to say to yourself, love everyone that you encounter and contend earnestly for the faith. You know, the crazy idea of using biblical language instead of making <laughs> our own cute, pithy things. Sure. And think to yourself, I've read the Gospels. Many, many, many times, what does Jesus do with this guy who's, who's you know, dragging his feet? Hmm. He might rebuke him, but he does not stand back and chuckle at him. Sure. He just doesn't. That's, that's, not, that's not in his repertoire. And so why would it be in ours? Hmm. He would actually be in a position where he could judge this person's hmm. lack of progress. We're not. 
So, um, yeah, that that was to me a, a important moment of kind of self awareness mm. that they needed to have. After this, they're trying to make up time. They're they're trucking down the the path so fast that you know they don't even have breath to speak. Mm. But then here comes somebody else coming their way. So back to the celestial city, and. He comes up, wants to chat with them, and his name turns out to be Atheist. Mm. Now, I actually have read a couple of kind of uh, tongue-in-cheek, um, oh, we're so much moved beyond this and, and what, a, what a silly document this is. Reviews of uh, yeah. The Pilgrim's Progress, uh, just out of curiosity. How does yeah. the world take this document? And I was interested to find that an atheist writing about this thought that the treatment of atheist was fair. Hmm. That uh, it, the the laughing at them um, at the beginning didn't strike them as disingenuous, but a, kind of a normal thing. And then the interaction they have where they're at an impasse hmm. sure. and then they both go their own way. Like, I mean, th- this is going to be how this goes. It, there's there's not really I mean, today there'd be, you know name calling and all sorts of gifts involved. But uh, in that, in, in the day where people come face to face and try to find common ground, this guy says, I've already been way beyond where you are. And I can tell you, there's no such thing as this celestial city. It's mm. laughable. And they say, but we've been seeing it. We've looked at it through the glass. We've seen the gates. We've been following this, this bright light, the shining light the whole time. Mm-hmm. And he says, well, where is it now? And they happen to be in a point where it's difficult to see it. So that seems a little too convenient to him. <laughs> and then that's kind of it. That's right. the interaction. Yeah. What more could they have done, especially for someone who has tasted of these things for 20 years? Yeah. Yeah. That's the, that's the, that's the real thing here is that he, he's, he's, he's presumably, right, been in a church, especially the time period in this book is written, right? This dude goes to a church of yeah. some kind. He's experiencing religion and he's just said, no, thanks. I'm good and I'm going to walk away from that. But it's, yeah, his his authority is himself. And I think that's what's the most interesting thing, right? Is he points back to his own experience as being sum and total of everything. Right. Even well, just dismissing out of hand when they say, here's our experience. We saw right. it. He's that like, can't eh, be true. I thought that too. So, yes. and there's there's a a certain kind of reverse chronological snobbery involved in anyone who used to be of the mindset or you know of the camp that you were and then left can just say, oh, I remember when I was silly and ignorant and naive like you. Sure, you see it a lot in like Cage Jage Calvinism and things like that, right? Oh, ignorant, you know. Uh, 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 Armenian, <laughs> right? How could you? How could you read the scriptures like that? How could you? You know, you so so snarky. I remember one time seeing a debate, um, and at the end there was a Q and A kind of thing. Mm. It was about the existence of God. It was the you know the atheist and the it was like a William Lane Craig type guy. I don't remember. Sure. It was in Grand Rapids, and a guy stood up and asked a question, and. The uh, the atheist said, well, you remind me of myself 20 years ago. And he goes on to present how he came out of that. And now he has this atomistic worldview. And, you know, we're all just meat computers, com- you know, and everything's decaying and everything's meaningless, essentially. He was fairly honest with the the conclusions he drew. And as he was kind of finishing up with the guy, 
the man who had stood up and asked the question, who was probably 70 years old, said, well, all due respect, you remind me of myself 40 years ago. Uh, and it was like, go. okay, well, there's, the there's always going to be somebody who was where you are and has come to the other direction. Yeah. Um, so that's just a, it's a rhetorical trick. Mm. And it's a way of not having to consider somebody's testimony. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, yeah. I, I used to think that too, but now I see better. Mm. Okay, well, I'm saying that if you want me to consider your claims... You've got to consider mine as mine, Let's not at least as have a, a conversation. version of yours. Yeah. Let's or what's the point? Actually, have a conversation. Don't just use this as a, you know, therapist's couch to just <laughs> sh- walk past me. Verbally, you know, diarrhea, all of your thoughts onto me. Laugh at me. In, laugh at me. Engage with nothing that I said, and then say, "See ya." Right. And then, right, their worry turning around is, well, he he might affect. You know, ignorance negatively. Why doesn't he is the question. He's already done it. He feels good. Right. Yeah, the back. He, he can tell. I don't need this guy. I've already yeah. proven yeah. these two wrong. Right. Yeah. Well, I did, I'm, I'm going to crush another theist today. My, Only my so much that done. you can do. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm thirsty. He's going to put his fedora back Dew. on, yeah. ironically, and then he's going to go right. get an IPA somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> what if yeah. I, I'm sorry, no, too close not, to home? That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, try, I'm trying to come up with what the, the current uh, yeah. uh, stereotype is. Yeah. <laughs> Mountain Dew and Doritos. That sounds like youth group uh, stereotype to me, but okay. Where do they got it? Where do they get it? <laughs> oh, it's the new satanic yeah. panic. Mountain Dew and yeah. Doritos are, are of the enemy. Uh, atheist, there's, there's a few texts here. They're all predictable for mm. anybody. I mean, like, I don't think anybody reading through the Pilgrim's Progress needs someone to explain to them why atheism is wrong uh, if they're mm. reading through it as a Christian as part of their um, devotional life uh, or even listening to this for kind of the entertainment value or to be introduced or reintroduced to the document. But let's read a couple of these texts anyway. Uh, Psalm 14.1, that's probably the more famous one. I've seen a number of National Atheist Day, April one. Uh, bumper stickers in my day, and then under it'll say Psalm 14.1, uh, which reads, The fool says in his heart, there is no God. Mm. It goes on to say, they are corrupt, they do abominable deeds, there is none who does good. But the the notion of in your heart even saying there is no God, that's next level self-deception. Because you do know from what is created and having looked at what exists that there is a God. And you know his eternal power and his divine nature. But in your heart even, secretly saying, no, 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 no there's not. What's well, the action of suppression, right? You know, like it, it, to you know, go on with the thing you were just quoting from Romans one, right? It's you're suppressing the truth, right? right? Actively suppress, and distort, pervert, push it down. You have to. You have to. It, it has to begin with your heart, you know, because you know people people are pretty honest to what's in their heart, right? You know, you know, Jesus, Jesus talks about it's not what goes in, right? It's what comes out out of your heart that makes you evil. You know, it has to start in your heart then the suppression of the truth. There is no God, and I know this for a fact, and I have my own factoids, and I have my own uh, systems of belief around this, and I've surrounded myself with my flatterers that are going to, you know, you know, applaud me for being brave in this. Um, But yeah, at the end of the day, it it is an empty belief, because you do know that you are made in the image of God. You do know that there is truths and correct things that have been graven in your hearts. You know, you you know that you yearn to live in a society that's established rules. And most people still try to look for meaning. Sure. And, you know, something bigger than themselves, which 
just categorically by definition can't exist in a world where there is no God and everything is an accident. Yeah. Sometimes a happy accident, more often a tragic accident and nothing has any value at all. Yeah. And of course, when you get to the bottom of that, it's like hopeful. He's just just seeking and searching for, you know, when he sits outside Faithful's cell, he's like, you have anything for me? Yeah. I'm willing to take advice from the guy who's about to die violently because I need some meaning. Right. But when you're not there yet, you can walk in that disconnect of there is no God, but... Mm. I will laugh at your lack of logic. Yeah. Who cares what's logic even? Borrowed capital from yeah. the notion that yeah. there's meaning at the center of everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's that's a common, uh, commonly cited scripture when it comes to to atheism, which I don't think is on the rise anymore. Um, no, it's agnosticism now. I think is overtaken. And and, and you know a sort of spiritual but not religious mm-hmm. um, spectrum. Yeah. Some of which might look kind of uh, vaguely Christian. Some of it, you know, looks like burning sage and, you know, thinking about karma or whatever. But even though some of these traditions that are being harnessed and, and you know, mixed and matched at the uh, cafeteria, you know, the sliding cafeteria tray of life, sure, many of them don't require a God. Mm. You still wind up with people having a notion of a God mm. of some kind. I think, I mean, just it's, it's yeah, I... ingrained in us. It's hardwired. It's in our ROM. I think that I think that this is the first year, 2023, that there's been an uptick in the belief of hell. I think mm. I saw that statistic recently. I think it's up four percent. Really? Where it was last year, which is interesting. Oh, Denial Rob Bell of, must be bummed. Denial of belief is right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is what I worked so hard for. Um, <laughs> now, you're like belief in God is still right around the same levels, mm. but belief in hell has ticked up, which is an interesting concept of maybe some form of some greater sense of justice we all know that we need. Yeah. And we're sensing that we're not getting wrong. there without without God. Yep. With all the work and all the struggle and all the the fires and all the and all the passion mm. without God, we're not we're not getting closer. Because we do yearn for justice. I think yeah. even even the fallen person yearns for justice, just not justice for their own sins, but right. justice for other people's. I right. want to call you into account for what you've done, how you've wronged me. And or how you're wronging others. And mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, certainly. I think that a lot of that is common grace. Sure. But yeah. common grace is also going to then point you towards special revelation and a sense of grace that is bigger. And, yeah. and you know, the, the notion of justice that goes deeper. Mm-hmm. And so something like hell that's eternal. Yeah. Where... You know, how many how many guys can we read about going in and shooting something up mm. and then blowing their brains out and just yeah. go, okay, well, let's justice. try and make the next one not happen because there's yeah. no way for justice for this one. Mm. Before you start saying, the world can't even begin to make sense and justice can't even be a concept mm. unless there's something deeper and bigger. Yeah. Uh, Hebrews 13, 14 says, uh, for here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. So yeah, a perfect answer to, well, I was just that way and I didn't see. There was no such place in all the world. And yeah. Christian's response is, yeah, but it's in right. the world to come. Exactly. That's the whole deal. That's, yeah. that's, that's what we're after. Yeah. Uh, it reminds me also of Jesus' words in John 18. He says, my kingdom is not of this world. Hmm. Uh, and he, of course, this is when he's before Pilate. And Pilate's like, why don't you do something? My kingdom is not of this world. Uh, if my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from the world. Mm. And and I love this. Then Pilate said to him, so you are a king? And Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. Mm-hmm. Amazing. 
Uh, but even in that moment of it's coming to a head, it, it you know I can point out I have authority over you. Yes. To condemn you or release you, he says, yeah, yeah, because it was given to you from on high. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have to exert and win the argument in that moment. Just yeah. like Christian and hopeful didn't have to like resort to cheap tactics or or get really angry and win mm-hmm. that argument. Who cares? That's not yeah. going to help. Yeah. As atheist then walks away uh, and just kind of bids, hey, how you doing to ignorance, they d- they realize ignorance is staying behind on purpose. Mm-hmm. And maybe he does want their company more than he says. Maybe deep down he's doubting whether or not he has the right confession. So they invite him up and he is kind of jerky, but mm-hmm. so are they. So right. it all comes out in the wash. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> This is uh, this is this is an interesting exchange, you know, round two, and in 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 trying to suss out if anything has changed, right? Really, yeah. For him, the seeds we planted even starting to sprout a little bit, yeah, or no? Let's see where it is. And nope, his confession is as sure as ever that he is a sanctified good man. He doesn't need justification as a sinner because he's already good. He My- needs justification though. Yeah, not as a sinner, for his actions, which are good. I'm a good person. They're pretty good. I just need that boost. And Mormonism hadn't been invented yet when Mm. Bunyan wrote this, but that's what he's describing. Sure. Jesus' blood kind of supercharges my already obedience, and it gives me the last boost that I need to be good enough. Well, people believing in themselves, though, as far as their own faith, and they're going to get themselves there by themselves. I mean, that's, that's scripture. Again and again and again, rejecting the answers that we've been given by God and saying, well, I'll get there. I'll get there on my own. I can sell away the birthright or I can sell away the this or the that or whatever, and I'll get there on my own. I'm good. I'm righteous. He's essentially the rich young ruler, right? He's never sinned. I've kept the, I mean, I've, I've since kept I was the whole a boy. law. Yeah. You know, I've kept the whole law. I'm fine. Uh, okay. What about this one thing? Do this one thing. No, not that. Anything but that. Yeah. Ignorance has this confession that he believes that he's not truly really poor in spirit he's not a sinner i won't believe this about my own heart no matter what yeah yeah that's the worst place to be right right it'd be better to be in full rebellion against it's better to be atheist yeah walk the other way than than to be this lukewarm jesus spits you out on the day of judgment yeah and rather you were hot or cold rather you're hot or cold go you know you know walk the other way what is this you're such a great person that you don't need any kind of um, arbitrator at all for your own fallenness. He does say kind of snarkily, like, don't don't talk to me like you're giving me some new stuff I've never heard. I know I can't get to heaven on my own best performance and that I need Christ's justification. Yeah. I know that. But then he and goes on to say it. He goes on to show that the justification is just to shine up mm-hmm. what he's already doing. Right. This is probably the most prominent false gospel in the American church today, yep. uh, where we have this sense of, I've made a decision for Jesus, I'm living for him, and he's kind of my wingman. And when, at the end, we're just going to high five at how well I did, and he's yeah. going to usher me into the, the pearly gates. Mm. Mm, we're going to find out how it goes for ignorance at the end. <laughs> That's what, he, that's what he's expecting. Right. He's yeah. expecting to be ushered in. It's you know that you you get the sense that there are people who, as they get near the end of the road, are starting to say, "Oh, I have to deal with this because I am not in good standing." Mm. But he's not one of them. Ignorance is one who is so snowed 
by somebody who said whatever his itching ears longed to hear mm-hmm. that he will walk boldly to to the gates and be told, no, yeah. I don't know that guy. Yeah. Outer darkness for him. Yeah. And that that is tragic. And yet Jesus told us ex- to expect it, that there would be those who would say, Lord, Lord, mm. have I not done great things in your name? Yeah. Like Turnaway had. Look at my works. Prophesied. I, I, yeah. I, I preached the gospel. I, I did all this stuff. Depart from me. I never knew you. Mm. So at, at this point, I mean, you and I both, I think, despise the it's not a religion, it's a relationship buzz phrase. Yeah. Because of what it tends to do to the way that we view Everything, <laughs> but, mm-hmm. but if there's not a relationship, I mean, there's a relationship either way. There's, some, there's mm. a personal relationship. If Jesus is your judge, that's a personal relationship. Doesn't get more personal than that. Right. But there has to be this relationship of blessing. It goes all the way. That's one of the three elements of the Abrahamic covenant. There's land, there's descendants, and there's a relationship of blessing. Mm. And why would we lose that now coming into the new covenant? If what you have to hold on to is this notion that that Jesus has your picture on his fridge because he thinks you're so great, <laughs> and that if you know he'll co-sign for you to get uh, a home in heaven because you can't quite afford it, hmm. that's that's a false gospel, and you're going to hear those horrible words: "Depart from me, I I never knew you," unless you repent of it. Yeah, the, this is why they're so direct with him. Well, the belittling of Christ. And his centrality in specifically redemptive history and our sanctification and our right redemption is the core of the gospel. So for him to get this wrong, yeah. you know, I don't know how many other ways they could communicate to him. You're not saved. You don't know Jesus. He will reject you. He will turn you away. And like you said, it's the most common thing today you'll hear. I've had these conversations. I'm sure you've had these conversations with people that are so self-righteous and this belittlement of Christ is so they can worship themselves so that they're savior of their own story, mm-hmm. right? So that they're prophet, priest, and king, you know, um, all of the time for, their, for, you know, for themselves. I'm not judging you, but for me, this is what's true. And for me, you know, and, and, it's, and it's, yeah, he's going to, he's going to my personal pocket Jesus his way to judgment. Yeah. Yeah, and then be sorely mistaken, and and I'm I think glad what's, that Bunyan shows it to the end too. Yeah, because a lot of these guys wander off, and you're like, well, it probably didn't go well for them, but who knows? Yeah, this this one, this is an important enough case study. Yeah, that he introduces him late, and he and he brings us to the city yeah. with ignorance. Well, it's it we're called repeatedly throughout Scripture, right? That you know, you know, we're to we're to make our calling right an election sure, mm-hmm. and. That involves constantly rerunning through our confession. And if your confession isn't, right, that you are completely fallen and helpless without Christ. If there's any room in there for you scratching or pulling yourself up by your bootstraps or whatever into heaven, then it's false. Yeah, it's it's kind of a mixture of Christ's blood and my elbow grease. mm, Okay, well then there's no salvation in that. Yeah, and 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 that's why it's so dangerous and so deadly, because it's so easy to believe. It's so easy to believe that, and and it's and it's so attractive to believe that I can have a little bit of myself. Well, it's very American I can, I can, idea. Hmm. I love America. 
I love the notion of pull yourself up by your bootstraps, mm. but the danger of it is when it enters into, are they working out there now? I don't know what that sound is. It sounds like a dryer. Okay, there's a weird sound coming from below. It's either from hell. Yeah, we're already swallowed up. We said something wrong. <laughs> uh -oh. Or we don't know. There's there's a work truck outside. Working church office, everybody. If you can hear that, we apologize. Um, but when it gets into our theology, mm. that's very dangerous. Yeah. You know, and I think, it, you know, even, even when it overtakes our view of other people, right? Everyone's only as valuable as... You know, how self-reliant they can be. Mm. I mean, that's an incredibly Laodicean view. Mm. Those are the people that Jesus said, uh, I stand at the door and knock and I'm about to uh, remove your light from the lampstand here mm. pretty soon. You're lukewarm. Uh, and when it comes into theology where you have to, you know, God helps those who help themselves. Mm. No, he doesn't. Right. That's not in the Bible. Right. God helps those who know there's no chance they could help themselves, mm. that finally give up on helping themselves. You've got it 180 degrees wrong with this God helps those who help themselves. Yeah. But it can go well, right? Mm. It seems like ignorance is going to come up here, and, and as the reader, we're like, yeah, this isn't going to work. But what was Apollos preaching with mm. only John's baptism? Sure. He was essentially zealously saying, repent, yes. But repent to what? To do. That's what John's teaching mm. started with is the kingdom of heaven is near. So if you are a soldier, stop abusing people. If you're a tax collector, stop collecting more than is owed. Uh, you know, start living the straight and narrow. Mm. You know, that's the way we want to walk the narrow road is by living it, walking the straight and narrow. And when Priscilla and Aquila, two pilgrims, see this, they see the, wow, he's got some passion and zeal, but without knowledge. Mm. They take him home. They sit him down and they say, okay, we see the potential here and we see how much you love God, but there's something important missing. Yeah. They give him the gospel. He accepts it. He repents of the old way he was teaching and, and abandons it. And now he becomes one of the greatest yeah. uh, of the early church uh, apostles, one of the greatest missionaries of the early church. That could have happened here. Yeah. It doesn't though. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Well, the, the importance, the the importance of think, us to say that it's okay to be ignorant mm. of things, right? Yeah. None of us have ever known it, everything. No one's saved right into perfect theology because we're living in a fallen, fleshy world, and that's not going to happen. After being a uh, Christian for 70 years yeah. and getting six, you know, PhDs in theology and biblical languages, you still don't know You'll everything, have ignorance. right? You'll yeah. have ignorance, right? But, 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 but an important aspect that makes ignorance deadly is you're not going to receive correction. Yeah. Right. And, 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 and again, I'll go back to it. They try and open scripture with him and he won't take the correction. That's not important to me. It doesn't matter how many verses you can quote at me. Okay. Well, what does that say about what you say you believe? It's the Antiberian spirit. Yeah. I'll pick and choose. I'll find what makes me comfortable and that's what I'll believe. And those things are true. And I'll fight you on those mm -hmm. and I'll develop a confession around those. But everything I don't like is, you know, anathematized, right? It's, it's gone. Rip that right out. Um, it's so, so important for the Christian to be able to be taught and to be able to receive correction well. One questions if um, ignorance was the one in the net being whipped. Does he take it or does he just leave? That's not what I wanted. Right. Yeah. I'll find my own way. Like once they open the net, he, he keeps going down yeah. that same road. Goodbye. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, to heck with this. Yeah. Uh, because it's not what I want. This interaction ends much like the last one with mm -hmm. him purposely falling back. Yeah. Because unlike talkative, 
he doesn't really even want to interact. He's like, I'd rather walk alone yeah. than with company, unless it's the best sort of company, subtext, not you guys. Uh, and by the way, if you're wondering why no one else has been clamoring to walk with you guys, it's yeah. because of this. It's because you're so narrow in your views. Uh, so he falls back and then things start to get creepy. I think they're in the enchanted land before anyone, because they're in the enchanted land now. Because one of the reasons he gives for falling back is I'm starting to feel drowsy. Mm. And I think it's because of this interrogation, but obviously it's because the air is getting thinner. The air has got this strange enchantedness about it. Right. And now we are falling back because we're fatigued, we're tired. And one of the first things that happens that is creepy and disconcerting is as they start to feel the effects of this air on them, they're not quick on their feet and they hear something coming up, something mm. horrid coming up behind them. They look, it's this clump of demons. They jump out of the way and the, the it's seven demons. We've met them a couple of chapters ago and they've got a guy. Can't quite tell who he is because mm -hmm. his face is downcast, but it looks like it might be my old friend, Turnaway of the Town Apostasy. Something is written on his back. Uh, wanton professor and... What apostate? And, damnable, apostate. damnable apostate. Yeah. And that's something else. Uh, that That's his identity. Scary image. Uh, they, they determined that he's being taken back to this door, the sight of which was the very reason why they yeah. couldn't see the gates clearly because their hands were shaking. This is so frightening. And Christian's, you know, get his sword ready. Do we go yeah. rescue this guy? Yeah. And what's Hopeful the point? Says, you know, we. They're out in the darkness anyway, Yeah. but if he is who his flesh says he is, literally what it yeah. says on his back, then he's beyond rescue. That's mm. a scary uh, picture. There are some texts here. One is, is Proverbs 5.22, the iniquities of the wicked ensnare him, and he is held fast in the cords of his sin. And that's a reference to the seven cords that are binding him. Seven, of course, in biblical parlance being completion, the number of completion. And it calls to mind Samson saying, you know, mm. bind me with seven bowstrings and I won't be able to break out. He could break out because he had the Holy Spirit. Right. This guy can't because he doesn't. Yeah. Uh, and then there's that Matthew one. Matthew... 12:43 through 45 reads uh, when the unclean spirit has gone out of a person it passes through wasteless place seeking rest but finds none uh, then it says I will return to my house from which I came and when it comes it finds the house empty swept and put in order then it comes and brings with it seven other spirits more evil than itself and they enter and dwell there and the last state of that person is worse than the first so also will it be with this evil generation so there's the notion there of an exorcism mm -hmm. a, a spirit cast out but leaving the vacuum yeah and without something to fill it. And this is human religion, even with the best of intentions, I think sometimes. And even at a, in a Christian pulpit, if we just emphasize putting to death, you know, mm. mortification, but never vivification, mm. the bringing of, of life, the, yeah. the expulsive power of that new affection. Yeah, Chalmers. The, yeah, yeah, Chalmers, Piper, mm -hmm. especially, yeah. you know, like third act Piper. Yeah. More and more <laughs> emphasizing, like we've got to move beyond just hating sin. Mm -hmm. You know, when, when I'm going to... Uh, turn away from sin, I got to turn toward the cross. Yeah. And when I turn toward the cross, it's not just as like a trick to get out of the sin, mm. but it's actually an opportunity to focus on the Christ there yeah. and adore him. Mm. And if that's not what I want more than I wanted that sin, 
then all the head games and life hacks in the, in the spiritual world won't help me. Because because the world can get pretty good at hating sin. Mm, yeah. You know, that's the, especially now, you know, there's a, there's a massive secularist movement against things like pornography and, and, and stuff like that, that is and in injustice. No, we were just talking right, about injustice yeah. that is in no way, shape or form connected to Christ. It's good. We should applaud it because it's the lessening of evil. But yeah, if there's nothing, um, uh, if there's, if there's nothing given to that person in place of that porn, which is a crucified Christ, you know, a risen Christ, a throne with a king in it now who has controlled the whole universe is the reason for the whole universe is the one who's holding all things together. If it's not a big Jesus in their heart, something else is going to take yeah. its place. I'll lust after something else. Mm-hmm. It'll it'll be something else. It'll be something else unclean and terrible for me, and I'll still go to hell. Uh, when you think about something like pornography, or whether it's drugs, mm-hmm. or whether it's even sure. you know the the high of being adored on social media, right. or or whatever it is, or even like the sloth and just like a whole life of treat yourself, right? There's got to be something huge yeah. to be more compelling than the dopamine dump that can be provided by your physiology when it has, you know, I mean, the efficiency with mm. which we can learn to shortcut right to the good feeling, mm-hmm. the safe, warm, good feeling, the gratification of the flesh in any of these categories is astounding. Yeah. And for something to be more compelling and more adorable, and I mean that in the old Puritan sense, awe, not awe, it's got to be powerful. And it doesn't come out of nowhere. People who live their lives entirely in the flesh and think, you know, I got saved at six at VBS, so I'll live with Jesus forever and I die, are assuming they'll like it even if it happens. Mm. They won't. They haven't learned to love him. They love, they they hate it. They're going to be separated from all it's almost gonna be their own hell because now they're separated from the things they truly love yeah the the works of the flesh etc well when you talk to people about heaven you know that's that's one of those questions i think that they should have asked what do you mean by heaven Mm, yeah what is this place is it worship is it never-ending right worship of a infinitely holy god who's deserving of it all will it be never-ending praises of the lamb or will it be, you know, nice houses and gold everywhere? And it, it'll be those things. Those are the images that are used, sure. But at the center of it is right worship. The reason for our creation is right worship, right magnification of God. If that's not what interests that person, then they, yeah, they have no relationship with God, you know? And that's, that, that would have been one of my first questions to that guy. Well, what is heaven? You know, you know you, you're saying that's all you're meditating on. That's... That's all you're thinking about as you walk down the way is heaven. What is heaven? Mm-hmm. You know, well, if it's, if heaven's you getting all the things that you want in your flesh. Okay. Yeah. Not I think heaven. about how, uh, on scrubs. Sure. The, yes. the description of where they're going to meet in heaven. I'm not so going to repeat it. But yeah. Yeah. The assumption that we'll still be tickled by our own sinful desires mm-hmm. in heaven and we'll be there because we're us. Yeah. Uh, that's that's the spirituality, that's the religion of the age that has to be overcome. Yeah. And and to most people, a naked homeless man dying on a cross mm. and the promise that you too will take up your cross and deny yourself yeah. is not going to be more attractive than that. Mm. But Jesus told us ahead of time yeah. that it wouldn't be. 
Uh, I think Jude, uh, there's a couple of verses here, uh, Jude 4 and Jude 13. If you're new to the Bible, Jude only has one chapter. So you never say Jude 1, 4, uh, unless you're using Bible software that insists on being stupid. Uh, <laughs> my, my Bible software that was so very expensive, the church bought for me. If you say, take me to Jude 4, it's like, there is no Jude chapter 4. And I'm like, come on, really? <laughs> come on, guy. Is it like us? Um, no, it's, okay. it's Bible works, which no longer is in business, oh, but I okay. sure love it. Okay. For the Greek and the Hebrew, there is no other. Uh, so for Jude 4, for certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation. Ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only master and Lord, Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. That I think is so important. Turning the grace of God into license. I believe in grace, Yes. Yes. But what do you mean by grace? Oh, I mean that God just winks at my sin. Mm. No. No, no, no. You've just you've just insulted God mm. in his holiness. Yeah. Careful with that. That's blasphemy. And then verse 13 continues to describe uh, those. They're caught up in in Balaam's error. They're perished in, in Korah's rebellion. And it says, wild waves of the sea, casting up the foam of their own shame, wandering stars for whom the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved forever. Yeah. Jude, it's Jesus' brother Jude book. is not messing around. Terrifying book. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, to, to go from right unbelief, kind of in your brother, seemingly, right? Thinks he's crazy. Yeah. To all-consuming, right, oh, this is who he was. You, you ever know? want to work out your salvation in fear and trembling, and you're like, I'm short on fear and trembling. Yeah. Read Jude. Read Jude. Yeah. <laughs> Points you back to all the right places in the Horrifying. Old Testament. Yeah. Uh, this is, yeah, this is a very... Um, contemporary to Christ view of things where mm. the the being raised in the Judaism is clear and he's making these connections between old and new covenant and mm. between what grace really is and what it's being in that moment of the early church twisted into it all kind of converges there and he just lays it out I often wish he'd written more books of the Bible honestly <laughs> I connect with that kind of writing yeah and the words that are on his back had originally had been like pinned there with a piece mm. of paper. I thought that was a weird, <laughs> yeah. uh, like like the yeah. laziest way to do allegory, but also it's so temporary, mm. right? You could he could rip that off. I think it having been branded in because this is uh, who he is. It it matches of, that that First John two thing. End of inglorious bastards. Right, yeah, you know, yeah. You, you can take off the uniform. But I'm going to give you something, something you, you can never take, take off. off. Yeah. Yeah. First John 2, 18 and 19 says, Children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they all were not of us. That applies not only here, mm. but also to atheist. When he right. says, hey, listen, I already was a 20-year veteran of this road. Even though I just said a minute ago, I can't understand why anyone would walk this road. No, you weren't. You weren't. Yeah. You I, As proof, I offer that you went out from us. Mm. And that's all the proof I need. Yeah. It means you never were one of us. Oh, that's awfully convenient. No, it's the only possible logical conclusion of the system you claim to have been part of, mm. the system of belief. Yeah. Without saying this is something that changes. Well, no, no, no. But I'm saying that I don't think it's real. That shows that you never, you might've thought for a moment, you convinced yourself you thought it was real, but you never really experienced it. Yes. The and logical conclusion of the new heart yeah. and the new affections 
is that you won't leave it because it's all you care about. All I want in my life is to make Jesus beautiful to others and to keep myself free from sin. Yes. That's my aim. That's my goal. And how I'm going to do that? I'm going to take care of the widow of the orphan, as James says. Great. But yeah, if you don't find yourself wanting that, if that's not your real desire, I'm not saying all the time, not 100% of the time. We all fall. We all sin. We fail to pick up our crosses someday. We all get pulled up in nets. Certainly. But this needs to be the you know anthem by which we live. And the fact that you could ever walk away from it doesn't make any sense. If you want it, that is some proof that you are regenerate. Yes. And I think if you want to want it mm. more than you want it, so is that. Yeah. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. But not, this is my prayer that I pray every day. This is my prayer that I pray today so that, with the with an eye toward a day when I won't have to anymore, yeah. when what I want more than anything will be Christ. I think about uh, like the hymn, It Is Well With My Soul, which is a favorite of mine, uh, and the story behind it being so tragic. Yeah. He's, and I might get it wrong, I might leave some of the tragedy out, but he like finds out that his daughter has died. Mm-hmm. He's on a ship on his way back to England. And as his family is coming for the funeral, his wife and his other children go Um, down and die. And then he's on a ship and they're passing the place where the ship had sunk. And someone points it out to him. And instead of cursing heaven, which I know I would be tempted to do, Hmm. he gets out his pen and paper and writes, when peace like a river attendeth my soul, when sorrows like sea bills roll, it is well with my soul. Because Hmm. the thing that brings me comfort and life and everything is this Jesus. And that hasn't changed. Mm. That to me is just, that's, that's what I want. And that's what I want to want. Mm. And I don't do it well all the time. And I have seasons of really screwing it up. But ultimately my, and my hope's not in that my affections are good enough. Mm-hmm. My hope is seeing the fingerprints of God on my wicked heart as he gives me more and more the heart of Jesus. And often as I kick and scream, when Jesus knocks Paul down and he says to him, it is hard for you to kick against the the goads. And that's a line that people often just kind of skip over because it's so strange. But the goads being these like sharp sticks you would use to to goad along Mm. an animal in the right direction. And when an animal wasn't yet used to it, it might kick back and kick back. And Paul's been doing that. Mm. But because he belongs to Jesus, he can't do it forever. Yeah. Somebody like atheist can go his whole life and just keep kicking, kicking, kicking and thinking that he's in control. Mm. It's absurd, but we've all been there. Uh, you know, thinking that we're calling the shots, we're we're making the path. Finally, they recognize that they are in a weird place. They're they're in the enchanted ground, and this is exactly where they've been warned not to sleep. Hopeful immediately has a sweet idea, which is go to sleep. A nap. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah. And thank God Christian's there. Yeah. <laughs> Just like thank God Hopeful was there when they were in the, the cage. Two are better than one. Yeah. Every time. Uh, going solo as a Christian, if you're listening to this and you don't have a church, mm. you are being a fool. Yeah. No bones about it. You're being a fool. Well, I can't find the, the church that's good enough. Okay. Find, find the best church you can or make a bigger circle. To where you're willing to travel, right? Uh, to find a church that honors Jesus and preaches salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, confesses a Trinity. I mean, like mm. if, if it's if it's not perfect, 
that's probably because it's made up of people. Mm. And if it was perfect by going there, you'd ruin it. So <laughs> get there and try and, and make it all the better by your presence and your service. But yeah, this is important that they're both there. And, and it's amazing that ignorance doesn't fall asleep and never wake up mm. in the enchanted land that he, yeah. that he makes it through uh, because he didn't have anyone with him that he was willing to listen to. So let's go ahead and put a pin in it there, and we'll talk about kind of the specifics of the Enchanted Land, what it is. Uh, There's a great couple Spurgeon quotes we want to read. Uh, We will do that next time. In the meantime, recognize that all of us are ignorant of some things and in need of correction. Let's hold our opinions about things loosely and, and hold the Bible as tight as we can. Let's hold each other accountable. Make sure we all stay awake, and most importantly, that we stay on the narrow road. Thanks for listening. To support this program and for additional content and perks, visit patreon.com slash pilgrimsprogress. Make sure you don't miss a beat by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts, and please take a moment to leave us an honest review. This recording, copyright 2022, high and silver, all rights reserved. Produced by Brad Atchison and Zachary Bartles. Theme music licensed from pond5.com. Scripture quotations are from the ESV Bible, the Holy Bible English Standard Version, copyright 2001 by Crossway a publishing ministry of good news publishers. Used by permission, all rights reserved. For more audio experiences of my fiction, visit www.zacharybartles.com audio. Hi, and silver. Got to get friends. 